0: I invested time, money, and energy into my well-being, and I believe that I don't have a secret. Like, that is the secret. Are you all in, or are you dabbling?
1: High-performing, loves to learn, willing to put in the hours to make things happen, good for a veterinarian, and good for someone trying to feel better about being a veterinarian. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show, a part of the VEDEX Leaders Community Online. In each episode, we explore ideas and subjects you can use to manage your veterinary practice better and be a better leader. I'm your resident asker of questions, Brendan Howard, and the smart person I interview today is a veterinarian with many helpful acronyms, a positive attitude, and a love for business inspiration. Dr. Quincy Holly is co-founder of Get Motivated, and he doesn't want to sell you on emotional well-being. He just wants you to know a change in perspective and a commitment to taking care of yourself and your attitude can yield dividends. Are you unhappy? Listen up. Dr. Holly. you have the floor. Tell us your origin story. Okay, so I kind of wanted to jump right in. I saw two ways to go. One is, I think I probably want to get like, I want to get your superhero origin story. So I went looking in your bio, and it looks like you got your undergrad in North Carolina, and then you graduated from North Carolina State, you know, as a newly crafted DVM. And then did you practice exclusively? Did you go straight from school into Banfield for a few years? What was that like? What was your transition into the profession like?
0: A few short weeks after graduation, I was a practicing veterinarian in Fayetteville, North Carolina, about an hour and a half, what, southeast of NC State's College of Veterinary Medicine.
1: So close. Yeah.
0: So close. And, you know, originally we were thinking about working in Greensboro. My wife, she's a veterinarian as well. Oh, wow. And so we got job offers at the same practice here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And so we decided to go ahead and take that. We thought it'd be cool as new grads and as a couple to work in the same practice. And I think that worked out pretty well, you know. She would come in and rescue me during my stressful surgeries.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Were you in the same graduating year?
0: Yeah. So she graduated 2013 from Tuskegee's College of Veterinary Medicine, and I graduated 2013 from NC State. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it.
1: Okay. So what were those first few months and first few years of practice like coming out for you?
0: You know, it's so weird, Brendan, because I performed really well, and I produced really well as a veterinarian. I had great relationships with the clients. I had great relationships with my team members, with leadership of that hospital, but I was stressed. I was very, very stressed. And can I ask, were you
1: stressed in a way that was different? Because, I mean, people do talk about how stressful veterinary school is. Was this a different, whole nother level or a different kind?
0: I think it was a different kind. You know, in vet school, you're trying to survive as far as your GPA is concerned. In practice, you're trying not to go to the medical board <laughs> and, you're, and you're trying not to get fired. You're trying to kill okay. people's animals. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of the way I was looking at it. Because if you had a really difficult surgery, right? If it's a GI surgery, it's a foreign body, then literally your success isn't going to give you an F or an A that results in a, a number. On a scale of zero to four, point, yeah. 4.0, it's going to result in that that human animal bond of that family member of that owner. You know that's a big deal, right? You're having conversations about people's lives in, in this in this case, and there's no senior clinician to pass it off to.
1: <laughs> Things were going great with the clients. You had good relationships with the team members. You were producing well. You still felt the stress. Then what?
0: You know, and I think the other part of the stress was that I was at a really, really, really busy practice. I was seeing as a new grad, 25 to 35 cases a day, which is, that's a pretty hefty load. And we would literally be at that hospital until maybe an hour, two hours after the practice closed, because with that caseload, you just don't have time to do all of your medical notes and keep the clients from having to wait an extreme amount of time. And so, you know, that was a different part of it. So It's like the stress of the job itself. And then there's the stress of that unique hospital situation. Yeah. You see what I'm saying?
1: No matter what you did, even if you got through all your appointments efficiently, you would have need to have made time during your busy day for all that medical record writing. And it just wasn't going to happen.
0: Exactly. You know, and I used to joke when I would t- tell this story that when I would walk into the veterinary practice in the morning, it would literally look like a clipboard making factory because, (laughs) because all of the charts would be lined up of the people who were already there and waiting in the lobby. You know, we'd have almost eight, 10 charts there and that's not even counting the drop-offs. That's like people waiting to be seen, you know? And so the first thing I would say to most appointments is I apologize for your wait. Hi, my name's Dr. Holly. (laughs) And it, I didn't even have to know how long they were waiting. I just knew that they were waiting. Right. And, and sometimes I wouldn't even have a chance to finish my medical notes from that same day. And so the first thing I would do in the morning was maybe I'd try to get there early and finish up the previous day's uh, medical records.
1: When you look at those moments now, do you think back and go like, oh, if only we had more staff members. Oh, if only there were fewer appointments at a time. Oh, if... There were more efficient ways to do things. Do you look retrospectively, if I were the practice owner or I was in charge, I would have done stuff differently? Or was it just kind of a tough, busy practice? How do you see it?
0: You know, first and foremost, I want to say that I loved that practice, boss included. Great mentorship from, from the hospital owner. So if he hears this, like, I'm not crapping on how things were done.
1: No, this is a common thing. What you're talking about is a common experience at veterinary hospitals, yes.
0: It's a common experience, and I actually feel like I had a pretty good experience, you know? It was just a busy hospital, and maybe some people thrive in that. Maybe some people love just being so busy, like just running around all day like a chicken with your head cut off. (laughs) But for me as a new grad, and I think for me as an individual, I didn't appreciate that so much, but I'm so glad I had great mentorship I was at a great hospital, but I think that it certainly could have been more efficient. I think the hospital could have been just as profitable. It could have served pets and clients just as well if we had slowed things down and taken a more more quality, and I I use the word quality loosely because I do think we did quality medicine, but if you're going fast, I think there's a certain amount of conversation that doesn't happen. There's a certain amount of maybe double and triple checking things that could be done to make things more quality and to decrease mistakes and, you know, things, things of that nature. And, and the retention that retention to the hospital was pretty atrocious. And I think that's, we were in a military town first and foremost. So I think some of it goes to that, yes. but i also think that some of it was due to the fact that it was a bit of a, a burnout situation, if you will, just from that level of uh, hustle.
1: And I mean, so you're talking about quality and I hear sometimes practices talked about high touch versus low touch. There's low, there's high volume, low touch, which is we're going to squeeze as much as we can into a very tight amount of what is the most important thing to do today. And then we're moving on and then high touch where it's, you know, appointments are longer. There's much more conversation. There's much more time to spend with the clients. And so those are just in conflict. You can have successful, awesome, beautiful, high functioning practices of either of those type. And it sounds like this was a slightly lower touch and high volume.
0: Right, right, Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. But in hindsight, Brandon, let me tell you this. Yeah. I'm so grateful for that experience. And I think that this is going to go towards a lot of what we're going to talk about today. At the end of the day, you're going to come out of any situation better or bitter, right? You're either going to see the advantage in that disadvantage. You will have either found the opportunity amongst that chaos or not. And I believe that separates the great from those who are gonna struggle in not only veterinary medicine, but probably in life.
1: That's fascinating, I wonder about that. I think that the whole fact that your mindset plays in so much into these things that are causing you stress and these painful things in your life is so true. But I wonder also, people get hardwired as children sometimes to be pessimist optimists, to see the silver lining or see the problem with something. And then by the time they hit, let's say they're a veterinarian, and by the time they're a veterinary professional, those are ingrained habits of kind of, criticizing and noticing the negative and this pot like this positive aspect you're talking about being in a difficult situation or right after a difficult situation and already being able to transform it in a way in your mind were you already there when you were in this stressful situation or was there a changing point for you where you kind of realized that power of that mindset because i know it's hard to change it did you have it to begin with as well
0: so let me clarify something so (laughs) i've been positive my entire life So I was never that negative downer, but I believe there's a difference between being positive. I think being positive is better than being negative always, Sure. but there's a difference between being positive and being able to not just get through a day, but be able to get something from that day. And I got that. From Jim Rohn. Um, I just want to give credit where credit's due. But he says, don't just get through the year. Don't just get through the tough times. Get something from those tough times. I was not doing that back then in those tough days when I was struggling. I was positively getting through. And I would say at times I was putting on the facade of someone who was happy and when, when internally I was truly, truly just struggling, struggling at home, struggling, you know, at work. And again, not my performance, not my productivity, but just, you know, my job satisfaction. I guess, you know. So the practice was still busy. Your wife was still. Was she
1: also there? Were you both there like the whole time until one of you left?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Actually, that, that practice got bought out by corporate, and so two people from the same family couldn't work in the same corporate practice, and so. They shipped me across town to a different hospital. And my wife became the chief of staff of that original hospital. And I was an associate at the hospital about 15 minutes down the road.
1: Were they really, were both those hospitals really kind of, again, that same high volume, a lot of stress on the job, or was this new one a little different?
0: It was a little different. So when I first got there, there were just two doctors. At the first practice, there were seven of us total. And that hospital was just known. Uh, So the, the hospital I went to was actually a newer hospital, on a slower side of town, if you will, and I think that the the ultimate point I'm trying to make is that yeah. I still wasn't completely satisfied at the second hospital with the slower caseload. I was now seeing about 15 to 20 cases a day, but if you still don't have that mindset, that growth mindset, or that well being mindset, then yeah. you can still struggle. It doesn't matter the caseload, I and mean, that, that's kind of my point. And I'm actually grateful again that I had that really busy caseload because it's made everything else. Since I left that hospital, just a piece of cake. I mean, I I, I walk into places where people are just, they're struggling with, you know, 10, 15 cases. And I'm just like, this is so awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, this is just, I mean, what am I going to do with all this time? (laughs) But I do love that you went from the busy
1: one, and so you probably fixated on that. The problem is this place is so busy, and you get to this other practice, and you're like, great, a lower caseload, now I'm going to feel great. But clearly, yeah, nope, it nope. wasn't perfect. So then noticing that, what did that do? So you're in the second practice, it's a little slower.
0: So another part of the story, if I take you back just yeah. a little bit, is that sure. before I left uh, that practice in. For a good amount of the time when I was at that first practice, since I didn't have any healthy coping mechanisms. So for the listeners, my big thing is well-being. I'm a well-being enthusiast, not an expert, not a guru, an enthusiast. I just love the subject of well-being as it relates to veterinary professionals. But I didn't have any of that for those first three years after graduating. And the way I dealt with the stress, the way I coped was with alcohol, was with smoking and with food. And- as you can imagine, it just makes things all the worse. So I'd literally leave work. I'd go to the first gas station I would see on the way home. I'd get an alcoholic beverage, pour it in a cup, and I would drink and drive and smoke on the way home. Yeah, And I had some really dark times and moments even where I was having suicidal ideation. My wife and I were thinking about divorce. She thought it was me. I thought it was her. You know, that whole story. We probably both thought it was the practice and the, the decisions and things like that, the career decisions. But it was the day after the 2016 presidential election. So I graduated in 2013, and I left that hospital after, and then the second or maybe the last quarter of 2016. But it was the day after the presidential election. had nothing to do with who was elected, but I was sitting in this exact same room, and something came over me. And I was just like, dude, enough is enough, man. Like You have been somewhat of an achiever your entire life, and you're obviously miserable and somewhat not throwing my life away, but it felt that way, I just made a commitment to myself to spend the rest of my life working towards the absolute best life possible. And I I didn't even know what that would look like, but I just made a commitment. And I said, I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm going to figure that out. And I'm going to pursue that until I die.
1: Did something happen in that moment? What was the thing?
0: Yeah. So I would like to just credit, I guess, you know, like divine intervention. I'm not... (laughs) I'm not big on religion, but I am pretty spiritual. And, you know, I was sitting in my man cape that morning and I was actually looking at the stock market, Brandon, if I'm being honest. I love the stock market. I have been enjoying the stock market since I was in undergrad. A friend told me about it. So I would always just look at the stocks every single day. And I noticed something on that morning after the presidential election that there was so much movement amongst the stocks, certain sectors, like in particular, just steel stocks, all the steel stocks just, you know, just up like 12%. Yeah. And it stood out to me because I hadn't really noticed how much the things like presidential elections would affect the stock market. And I said to myself, Quincy, what other things have you missed out on in life? Because you simply have been you know, playing video games, doing fantasy football, spend so much time drinking and, and smoking and just wasting time Like what other opportunities have you missed because you haven't been just keyed in on the good and and the opportunities of life? And so I don't know if that sort of got me thinking, but that was one of the things that I somewhat noticed that morning.
2: Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions a poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair, help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit vetxinternational.com forward slash leaders. Okay, welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed part one. Let's get into some more meaty content to help you grow your practice in part two.
1: I know so that some people, I think, reach this point. So I don't know what you want to call it. I feel like now there's these clinical terms where, is it compassion fatigue? Is it inability to handle your stress? Is it uh, professional burnout? And, you know, that shows up now in the manuals. In this case, I I think it's interesting that you did not sort of identify and say, the veterinary practice thing is the thing I regretted. And I wished I hadn't done that. I hear a lot of positivity about that. now you're like, just think about all these other ways I'm using to cope. What could I have done with this time? So in the time I was doing fantasy football, could I have been doing something else? So I I think that's interesting. So if you're there in your man cave, you're thinking, I want to do something else. How come you don't think I want to be a practice owner or I want to keep practicing? Did you decide, you know what, this practice thing, maybe I need a break from this as well. So- At that time, or or did it take more time to get to that?
0: Yeah, and and, you know the story so detailed, we could spend literally like eight hours (laughs) doing this and breaking out all the detail. But I will say, prior to that transformation, I had come across a few motivational speakers, in particular guys like Les Brown. They talk a lot about dreams and pursuing your dreams and. Eric Thomas talks about the grind and this and that. But Joyce Meyer had said something on a in an infomercial, <laughs> interestingly enough. Joyce Meyer, she's like an, one of those TV evangelists, you know? Yeah. And I, I remember looking at it, it like midnight, and she has a program called The Battlefield of the Mind. And she said something that stood out to me. She said, uh, where the mind goes, the man follows. As a man thinketh, so is he. And it, it was that type of mindset that I think really contributed to – me having these somewhat epiphanies and and realizations of where the mind goes, the man follows. And so I really just started getting into the mindset stuff and listening to the motivational speakers. They were really pumping me up (laughs) to just go for the absolute best life possible. And I also love stories of people who had struggled and who had had adversity. And then they go and just achieve something great, despite Whatever combination of circumstances and conditions, these life events that they had faced, they were able to overcome that and and surmount those difficulties. And so I really started looking at my situation as a launching point to say, hey, man, you can't get any worse than this, basically, you know, but let's see where we can go from here. And so to answer your question about the whole practice owner, what I did was a lot of the speakers I would listen to, they talked about something called idealization. And they talked about what would your dream life look like? And so I literally wrote this out on a sheet of paper that if I had a magic wand, if I had Aladdin's genie lamp, what would my ideal life look like? Right. There's some things that were probably on there that aren't on there now because, you know, it's a very crude state that you're in at at that moment. Right. It's a very new thing. And so you're probably putting down things like that don't really have true value and meaning, but you think they do. But needless to say, one of those things was, I didn't wanna be in the hospital that I was in at that moment, and I didn't like the way that I practiced, and I wanted something different where I could still be a veterinary professional, still practicing, but a lot of the negative parts I didn't like would be gone, and all the parts that I did like would be there. And interestingly enough, you know, I worked yesterday at a really busy clinic, and I worked Saturday as well, And had a great time on really busy uh, preventive care runs. And, you know, it's the job that I idealized back three, four years ago. That exact thing that I wanted, it manifested about a year and a half later. And I'm no longer in that other practice. So it worked.
1: It sounds like you still want to make in your life's pie. You still want to make time to get your hands on animals and help animals and help people.
0: Yeah, I do. And I think even bigger than that, though, is that I realized if I help three veterinarians or three veterinary professionals to be happier and to want to stay in the profession longer and to help, you know, however many animals they help in a year, that I can somewhat multiply the results that I was doing through other people. And when you look at that on a global scale, you see that I could make a global impact through Inspiring people and empowering people and motivating people and educating people about well being and how to not just endure through veterinary medicine, but how to enjoy that. And that's why I've taken this role of speaker and course creator and coach and things like that.
1: So that is perfect because the next question I wanted to ask you is your perspective on, I feel like the umbrella term that gets thrown around all of it right now is emotional well being, even though within that, I think you have sort of mental health issues that touch in on that. And then you have mindfulness and self-care. And then you have what you're talking about, which is what's been around a really long time before people were focusing as much on self-care. Inspirational speakers, people who get you pumped up that can give you some feeling that you have a fresh start. So all that gets wrapped up in that. So tell me, what is your perspective on emotional well-being that you try to hand off to these doctors?
0: Are you all in on your well-being or are you dabbling? If you're all in, you'll get all in results. If you're (laughs) dabbling, you'll get dabbling results. If you're not even dabbling and you're burnt out, I mean, it's obvious as to why. I believe that well-being is a skill. It's disciplined that can be cultivated. It can be prioritized and it can be maintained through effort. Gary Vaynerchuk says that effort is grossly underrated. That's the end of the quote. <laughs> you know, effort is, <laughs> effort is grossly underrated. And when I look at Quincy now and I look at Quincy then, the only difference is that Quincy then focused on watching Archer, watching NFL, playing, I was, I was in like, 10 fantasy football leagues, spending (laughs) a lot of time. And I was really getting into it. I was listening to the fantasy football podcast on the way to work um, during lunch. And when I got home, you know, I'd be trying to figure out the best lineups and this and that. Literally spending probably over a dozen hours a week on fantasy football. I changed all of that those late night video game sessions became reading books. And I see your bookshelf behind you, man. I love it. (laughs) And if my camera's on, you'd see the bookshelf behind me. That's full of books over 180, you know, paperback, hardback books. That bookshelf was empty in 2013 to 2016. And so I read over 60 books in 10 months when I made that transformation I started waking up at five o'clock and then four o'clock and then three o'clock. And I would read, write, meditate, pray, work out. You know, I lost weight. It was just a completely different. Where was my time going? I invested time, money and energy into my well-being. And I believe that I don't have a secret like that is the secret. You know, are you all in? Are you dabbling?
1: So that's interesting because I feel like – so especially if we're talking about uh, veterinarians, they're all in on veterinary medicine. It's something you have to work very hard to get – make it to the school and make it through the school and then succeed on the way out. Come on. It takes all that singular focus. Yep. And then this well-being thing, they are trying to add it on. I mean, it's interesting you're talking about effort and discipline, which I kind of agree. Also, veterinarians, the fact that they already give effort, they already have discipline, if they could just – pull it over to this other zone. Is that what you mostly try to do? What are you doing?
0: Brittany, you hit the nail right on the head, man. I tell people over the past about year or so that if you're a veterinarian, at least you graduated with at least two degrees. Okay. You get your DVM or your, your VMD, right? Right. But you also got your PLC. You know what that stands for? No. Professional learner certification. Okay. If you can go through all of that and hand it, you did spend a considerable amount of money unless you're one of those few people who, who you know, screw you, but you got a full ride to, to vet school. It's like, what? You got a full ride? You don't know, owe anything? You know what I mean? I'm so jealous of those people. But you invested money. You invested time. You invested a, a crap ton of energy into being proficient and sound in your veterinary doctrine. Right. And you came out as someone who is proficient and sound <laughs> in veterinary medicine. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Right. If you'd have yeah. done that to be a mechanic or a really good cook or name any other profession to learn Spanish, you know, my brother works on cars. My sister, she is uh, bilingual in Spanish and she, she has her own successful Spanish. She's put a lot of time in that. My brother's put a lot of time into being good at cars. Right. And now I've put a lot of time into two things in my life veterinary medicine, I'm good at that. And well-being, and I'm good at that. And well-being is focusing on that human aspect of yourself. You are a human at its core. You're not a veterinary professional. That's some made-up thing. You're a human being wearing the hat of a veterinary professional. And if you only focus on that hat, you're neglecting what the hat is on. And most people aren't putting anything into, you know, uh keeping themselves running. Chasing the next and the greatest version of themselves, they're trying to operate in the year 2021 with, if you think about an, in a cell phone analogy, with a flip phone from back in 2008. A when cell phones flip become phone? a, well-being, a well-being flip phone, and they're not even maintaining that do you get
1: pushback so when you talk effort and discipline so if you have that epiphany or you're the kind of person who kind of has had that drive before where you've had an experience in your life where you were dissatisfied with your life and you revved up the engines and pulled in a new direction but if they've never had that new direction or that epiphany do you have people who push back and say this just sounds like another job so i'm already tired i'm already stressed i'm already burned out i'm struggling with the team members i'm struggling to run the practice Or the people around me are struggling. They are all struggling. I'm going to tell them I want to load up another job on you. It sounds like a job. I know it's good for you, but it sounds like a job.
0: Right. It's a job that you don't have to do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really not here to convince people to do anything. you. You know what I mean? I just tell them, like, hey, if you're burnt out and you're not spending any amount of time on not being burnt out, Right. And I've, I've got some frameworks that I could somewhat run by you and there are different ways. So, for example, so yeah. one, one sort of framework that I have is something called stacking, because you're exactly right. We're busy professionals. I'm so sympathetic to all of this. And I also want to throw out there in any well-being conversation I have, especially a public one. I highly recommend that people see mental health professionals. I'm not one. I don't claim to be. And if you're, you're in clinical depression, then you need to go see a mental health professional. That's not not a bad thing. That's a great thing, okay? And there's nothing wrong with you if you have clinical depression or clinical anxiety or any of those other things, right? You're perfect the way you are, but in order to resolve these things and to live that quality of life that you want, you're going to have to have the appropriate tools and people and systems in place, and mental health professionals can help you with that if you're really going through something. So if you're struggling at all, I highly recommend just going to a mental health professional, and, and if... If the mental health professional, in, in your opinion, sucks, then go to a different one. There's there's so many out there just like veterinarians, you know, some are good, some are not. And um, if you have a bad experience, don't give up there. But anyway, aside from the mental health aspect, there's the well-being and that personal development and self-care yes. aspect, which are things that even if you have a mental health condition, it'll make that situation a little bit better than if you weren't doing the personal development and the things I'm talking about. But anyway, that was, I, I digress. There's something called stacking. Stacking stands for, it's an acronym I came up with, simultaneously taking action and consuming knowledge. Okay. So simultaneously taking action and consuming knowledge. What does that look like? What is that? When I was practicing, you know, full time, I would, on the way to work, I had about 30 minute drive. I'd listen to an audio book or I would listen to something really inspirational and motivational. So I listened to Steve Jobs' speech, his commencement speech that he gave at, I believe it was Harvard or something like that, or Stanford, on the way to work every morning. And there was a part in there where he said that he would look in the mirror every single morning and say to himself that if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, he knew it was time to change something. And there were a lot of other really good things that he said in that. But I would look at myself in the mirror and ask myself the same question. And I I came up with the answer that no, like on the way to this job that I'm about to do, I wouldn't want to do this if, if this were the last day of my life. And so I knew just like he did that it was time to change something. And so I was stacking. I'm on the way to work to treat animals and to make a living. Right. And I'm listening to something that's literally transforming my state of mind by one of the greats, Steve Jobs. I guess we could all consider him one of the greats, whether he was mean or not <laughs> is irrelevant right. to me. But anyway, on the way to work and on the way back, I would listen to something else. That's an hour of knowledge that I'm consuming right there, just on the way to work. So I didn't do anything extra. I'm not asking vets to go work an extra hour, right? I didn't do anything extra. I just, I just changed what I was listening to instead of listening to okay. the garbage talk radio, you know, talking about gossip about this celebrity and that celebrity. I'm now listening to something inspirational, motivational, positive, and educational.
1: That wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show. It was an honor to share it with you. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends in veterinary medicine about us. Want a little more? You are in luck. An extended version of this podcast is available exclusively to our leaders community. You can learn more at vetxinternational.com. And until next time, I just want you to know, I appreciate you.